Is it a video? This buffering, buffering, old staccato, bingo. Suffering bingo. Five senses. Spicy, yellow, loud, aromatic, proud. Right now sensing sin, though. Pride and clout. Maybe looking out is looking in. Whoa. That corner of the wall's my gallery. Sea spray, my happily, blessed olfactory. The crafts of which I'm tired of having to imitate. Scratch and sniff lives from concentrate. Tactile makes the cat smile. Thank you, I appreciate your finger snapping. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to Slam Poetry, the podcast where we slam each other. <laughs> Poetically. So, welcome back to Soul Scene. Aaron, what was that poem about? What's this episode about? I like your invocation of the term slam poetry, because indeed I was trying to imbibe it with some, some juice, as I think I told you pre-episode. Mm-hmm. Today's conversation is about Gretchen Rubin's book, Life in Five Senses which you've talked about on the podcast before, and I decided to give a flick through this week. And we're mm-hmm. going to chat about from a solo scene perspective, as well as some other books that I wanted to talk about. So that poem was um, talking about five senses. You may have noticed the term scratch and sniff. Mm-hmm. You like scratch and sniffs? I love scratch and sniffs. I like scratch and sniffs too, but I just used it poetically as in like our lives today are kind of scratch and sniff. Talking about like the... The artifice of it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Netflix is kind of like a scratch and sniff cinema. It's true. And I also use the term from concentrates. And I was just reminded of the main liquid that I consumed for the first eight years of my life, mm-hmm. which was the Robinson's fruit juice from concentrates, which I don't know if they really have in Canada so much, but in England, it's like water, basically. Yeah. And uh, blackcurrant was my my choice. And... Basically, the intention is you just pour like a couple centimeters into a cup and then fill the rest with water because otherwise it's way mm-hmm. too strong. But I would always just try and sneak more than mm-hmm. you were really supposed to. And I remember one time I tried it just straight. Just straight. This explains a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my curiosity. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Life in Five Senses. I've talked about this book borderline endlessly. I feel like on the podcast because it was, it's very solacing in many ways. And it's not like, like yeah. Gretchen's not going to make an appearance. No, it's up there with Lord of the Rings and Bad Luck Brian for just, we reference it every episode. Mm-hmm. So I wanted Aaron to read some of it and just to kind of close the chapter on this book so that I don't have to keep talking about it. And I can just refer back to this episode if I ever want anyone to hear about it. So I learned about this book by watching the happiness lab podcast it was a two-part series where the podcaster was interviewing gretchen and she was talking about her new book which just came out in april of 2023 so it's still pretty new and it is that's a a 2023 book it is a 2023 book wow that's my first like 2023 book yeah or maybe 2020s book period or maybe just 2000s book (laughs) What was the, Aaron had a, you read about 10 books recently and you said the median age was the year 500, Yeah, was I, was, I was set out to write a novel and to kind of prepare slash and get me through it. I had a list of 10 books that I was like, I'll read these as fuel, essentially, as references, as touch points. And then afterwards, for fun, I did the, the mean age that they were published. No, it was 1100. It was 1200-ish. It was around when Dante's... Paradiso, that was like the mm-hmm. around the time. <laughs> but there were some outliers because there was a lot from like BC times, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So the subtitle of this book is How Exploring the Senses Got Me Out of My Head and Into the World. And I think we can start there by maybe discussing that subtitle and how that relates to the Solocene. So the idea of the Solocene is partially getting out of your head and into the world. Yeah, that's the one third of it. You yeah. describe it as beautiful, sustainable, tactile. So mm-hmm. today's all about the tactile, I think. Yeah. Hence, tactile makes the cat smile in the poem. Mm, it's true. It makes you think. If cat is smiling. <laughs> I was thinking about like the Cheshire cat mm. from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. But I like, that, I like that tagline. I think it's somewhat ironic because it's just how humans 
have lived for most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like you have the book right there. On the back, there's also another quote that says, it invites us into the seismic shift towards a life grounded in sensation, vitality, and innate intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the quote. And I was like, it's very tragic that this is a seismic shift because it's like, it's the natural way of being. So mm-hmm. it kind of is implicit that there's been a seismic shift away from this sensation, vitality, and innate intelligence. Yeah, and perhaps for the first time in history, these senses aren't necessarily being barraged in a negative way. Like, we can actually indulge in them because perhaps pre-modern, pre-modern times, things were really smelly. Yeah, We just okay. dumped sewage in the streets and work was just, like, so hard that you perhaps had to dissociate in order to get through the day. That's true. The touch wasn't pleasant touch. Yeah. The smell wasn't pleasant. But then now that we kind of have the benefit of soft couches, pleasant smelling air, a lot of nice things, it's like we've chosen to scratch and sniff instead yeah. because we perhaps through human history to an extent have been used to having to check out. But it's like, really, this is probably the nicest the world has been in all of history post Eden or whatever, like post paradise. Well, for those of us like in Canada, like where we are. Mm-hmm. Certainly the easiest. Yeah. Maybe we could just open by talking about Gretchen, like the premise of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has done a lot of writing in her life. She's an author and a speaker and podcaster about the science of happiness and how we can live happier lives. And she is probably most famous for her happier project, which I feel like a lot of people... Not a lot of people, but like it was a New York Times bestseller book, read and enacted, and it a lot of the tips in that surrounded mindfulness and being in the moment. And she had an epiphany one day when she went to the eye doctor because she's nearsighted and she has chronic pink eye infections. So mm. she like went to the eye doctor because she's like, ah, this pink eye is getting out of control. Can you help me? And the eye doctor was like, yeah, of course, I'll help you. Now she was walking at the door. He said, make sure you come up for your checkups. You're more likely to, you're like 98% more likely to go blind than most people. And she was like, excuse me? Like, I never knew this. And he's like, oh, yeah, because of your nearsightedness, your um, retina might detach. And she was like, wow, thanks for that information. And then she said her whole walk home, she lives in New York. So she walks and on her walk home, she said that everything it was like borderline a transcendent experience of like the nut cart smelt more vivid. The rumble of the garbage trucks was louder. And she just kind of like came into all her senses and realized that despite being someone who basically preaches mindfulness and being present and enjoying life, she hadn't been engaging any of her senses. She'd just been kind of going through the world. And then she like set off on this project to write this book, but to explore her five senses. And her first task that she set herself was going to the Met Gallery every day, the Met Museum, and trying to go to the same place every day and use that as a sort of focus point for the project. And another thing that she kind of noticed, she was like, she has two young daughters and her husband that she lives with in their New York apartment. And she was like, I didn't realize how much they had changed. Like I didn't realize what perfume my daughters wore or that my husband was wearing color now and he used to always just wear like black and white and all these different things. And she was realizing that like our memories are based on the senses and she kind of had been living off of these old memories and not making new ones about the people she loved. And we'll get into love a bit later, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's kind a good of introduction. <laughs> so the book is broken down into the five senses plus an intro and like a conclusion. I read the entirety of the which sense, do you want to guess? Smell. Of the smell sense, just because I thought it'd be fun. I think it was the fourth one. So it was also kind of well-placed because I got a mini summary for what had proceeded. And I flicked through the rest of it and you've talked enough about it. I think I have like a decent grounding for it. I liked what you said about the memories, because that's something that I came to independently as well a few years ago specifically talking about screens and internet time spent in the digital world by yourself, it's like you never remember any of this. There's no memory to it. And part of the reason is there's no sense to it. So I think maybe to start, 
at the end of the Life in Five Senses book, you told me a couple of days ago, there's this sense self-portrait mm-hmm. that Gretchen did where she lists like four or five things for each sense that are either her favorites or just define her. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could just run through the five senses of our own self-portraits that we did, and that will be fun for the listeners because they'll get to know some more about us and the viewers because we're on YouTube. If you want to watch, yeah. engage the other sense. Um, and also, like with each sense, we can kind of talk a bit about so a see stuff or takeaways from the book, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Another on the topic of the five senses portrait, I was I re-listened to the podcast yesterday that originally got me onto this book, and she was saying how the five senses portrait is a really great gift for someone, or like a good practice for like perhaps you recently lost someone to make a five senses portrait for them, and I was just like, that's so nice. Like imagine Sounds kind how. Of vain, though, no? Like, I'm going to give you a list of my favorite things? No, no, about them. Oh, the taste of them. Yeah, but it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I would feel really warmed if someone made me, and perhaps to be accompanied by, like, a basket of, like, a nice candle that reminds, you know, like, yeah, something. It just seems really nice. So I, so I say, like, I like when you make me cookies like that. Yeah. Okay. And I was having a really hard time making my portrait of myself. But for you, I basically could come up with one in, like, two minutes. Oh, so you did one for me. I didn't, but I'm going to see how my mental one compares to yours. Okay, so well, you start. as a disclaimer, because I realized while doing this that we did do a solo scene five senses thing before, but this is more about ourselves. I think this is more like a personal thing. And another disclaimer, I tried to do it in hard mode, which meant no art, mm-hmm. like no music, no film, because I was like, that's kind of like those are intentional things mm-hmm. to sound good and to look good. And I wanted them to be more kind of everyday or like fundamental things. Yep. You know what I mean? Or, or incidental, let's say. So I came up with two for each. Okay. I'll start with smell because that's what um, that's what I read. And the first one is the first day of autumn. I tried picking something other than this, but it was like, it's the first thing that came to mind, so I shouldn't lie about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like a, a favorite smell of mine. Actually, I said to you yesterday, and it was only july 29 <laughs> i was like is it me or is there a little subtle note of autumn mm-hmm. in the air today and you agreed so there was yeah and i mean we know this is a storied figure the autumn version of me that comes out every september mm-hmm. and october who just uh i don't know starts drinking the pumpkin spice stuff and wearing the <laughs> plaid and all that we're laughing because that's not what happens but i do get weirdly bookish and my only note for this is Ignore the calendar, trust your sense. Because it always annoys me when people say, oh, happy first day of spring or happy first day of autumn. It's like, it's been autumn for weeks. Yeah. But just because the calendar says it, everyone has to abide by the calendar. Mm. No, forget the calendar. And the second smell is not something I enjoy so much as it's so distinctive and so kind of regular (laughs) a sense, which is, I'll just say the word, pajamas and you know what i'm talking about oh my goodness (laughs) pajama smell yeah yeah because for for some reason i don't know if it's our detergent or just the age of them but you have a pair of pajamas that just (laughs) it doesn't smell good though right it's just like it smells it's borderline wet dog (laughs) (laughs) but i'll go for that okay okay my smells i did three for each are coffee i feel like you can't really escape the fact that I drink coffee every day and it's probably the strongest smell. Yeah, I also had a question like, what would the Soocene headquarters smell like in the future? And my idea was coffee. Just because I think coffee has this double meaning where it can be cozy, mm-hmm. rainy day inside coffee, but also it's like nose to the grindstone, let's get stuff done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unique like that. Yeah, I agree. Coffee, my next one is the beeswax moisturizer, the <laughs> yay for earth moisturizer. Do you agree with that? Uh, sure. It's a smell. I don't know if I like it that much. But... No, these aren't my favorites. They're the ones that, like, define me. Oh, define me. you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like this is the moisturizer I use every day and have for, like, four, five years. Sure. And then my final one is my shampoo, which I've also used for probably close to eight years. Like, quite literally since the day that the shampoo came out, I've been using it. It has a kind of honey smell to it as well. So I smell like a bee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the sense party? Or is that more of like a behind closed doors thing? <laughs> no, we can talk <laughs> about that now. So in the book as well, 
Gretchen has her daughters quiz her on like different house smells. I feel like their house is going to reflect ours slightly. Well, yeah. Well, during these during these smell semesters, she talks about how untrained most of our noses are. Rather, mm-hmm. whereas, like, to an extent, we have pretty good eyes. Like, we can just we can determine colors from colors, and we can see to some distance. Obviously, not Gretchen, but like in the general human sense. Whereas our noses. Are uh, are quite poor, and really there isn't much opportunity to hone it. And also the fact that you walk around the streets, you hold your nose, not in the solar scene, because things won't smell like blood. But <laughs> <laughs> but Gretchen, she decided to remedy this because she lives in New York City. She said there's an opportunity to learn everything through classes by going to perfumery courses, which I thought sounded really really neat, mm-hmm. like detecting the little notes and like training your sense of smell. Mm. We have spoken about our future children potentially having super senses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we kind of train one of them to be a dolphin who develops sonar or mm-hmm. can hold their breath for really long. And one of them maybe can see like an eagle like from miles away. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of them maybe has a shark-like sense of smell, mm-hmm. like a drop of blood and they will detect it. <laughs> no, but I'm not like to a fantastical degree, but we could we could improve on this. Right? Yes. It's. I also. It's funny you mentioned the eye test thing because I obviously hadn't haven't listened to this Gretchen pod and I didn't even read the start of the book, so I didn't know about that mm-hmm. as a foundational thing. But I have written down here. I used to always love eye tests. Mm-hmm. I think the two or three times I've done that in my life, I really enjoy it. Do you? I enjoy it. I like all the little tests because yeah, like, it's like, when else are you going to know how good your eyesight yeah. is? It's not like you really have any control over it. You can choose not to squint in the dark at your books, but... I feel like screens probably don't have a good effect. Yeah. Yeah, but our smell party last night. Yeah. We, I quizzed Aaron on four different smells, <laughs> and he got none of them? Yeah, my nose is... None of them. My nose is like... Most people's nose is kind of bad. Mine is just awful. Yeah, because, I mean, one of them was literally shaving cream, and he had shaved his face <laughs> about... Six minutes earlier. Yeah, like, not... And, and I was like, like I, I, know like, this. I know this. I know this. And I'm like, it's probably still on your face. What like, did I say? What did you say? You said something really strange. Did I say lemon juice or something like that? Yeah, you said lemon juice, I think. <laughs> and it just, it smells like shaving cream. What else did we do at the scent party? You also arranged some gummy bears for us, four mm-hmm. each, four of the same, four different colors for each of us. And we had to try and guess them. And once again, I was 0 for 4. I think I guessed clear on three of them. And then the one that I didn't get clear on was the clear one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you were t- you got three out of four. Something but, like that. But also that. you arranged the colors, so. I did. I didn't. Yeah. You didn't know which one was which, but. Because mm-hmm. I've always said that about candy. Like, people debate about which Skittle or which Starburst or which gummy bear they like. And I've always said, like, like the inner um, glutton I am, I would just throw them in my mouth. <laughs> Like indiscriminately, and so I never. I always just taste sugar. Mm-hmm. It's like when all the colors mix together; they just make brown in paint. That's how mm-hmm. I taste gummy bears. Yeah, so we did that. We also did blind taste test of apples to try and guess which one was green, red, and pink. <laughs> and you got those very well. Yeah, I was pretty good at those. You were very good at the apples. This man knows his apples. Then we did a few different things that just have like weird tastes or things we had never tried before. So we had candied orange rinds. Yeah. We had spicy pineapple soda. And I was like, it's not spicy. Like I smelled it. It just smells like pineapple soda. But then we drank it and it's like your mouth starts to kind of burn. Like if you had a really strong ginger or like, yeah, it was really weird. What are the takeaways from the sense party? Really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's going to be memorable, I think. But like so was seen wise. Oh. What, what are some, <laughs> some lessons or something like that or themes? Hmm. I remarked that because one of them was milk. Yeah. And I smelled it and I couldn't smell it. But it was like when you're, but every day I pour myself a cup of milk and smell it mm-hmm. and kind of breathe it in. So I think when you are like stripped of, because I also had my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. So like when you're stripped of one sense, obviously you, you develop the others more. Mm-hmm. And actually that kind of leads into my next one, which is sights. And one of my favorite sights is the movie theater when the lights go dim just before the movie plays. Ooh, I feel yeah. like everything else kind of heightens a little bit. Mm. I mean, this is always annoying when it's like everything heightens so you can hear that person crinkling so loudly. 
Like you can hear them louder than when the lights were on. It's true. It's true. But that's one of my favorites. And my other favorite site, I didn't want to make them. I guess I accidentally did a portrait of you just because all my favorite things are related to you. I have a smell of your pajamas and the site. Do you want to guess what it is? It's the hair tucking into the shirt. <laughs> that happens sometimes when you put on a jumper or something, mm-hmm. and the hair just kind of tucks in. It looks like a hilarious helmet. I call it the tuck. Mm-hmm. You don't think it's a good style. I always want you to just wear it permanently. Yeah. But that's one of my favorite sites because it's also it's funny. I like funny things. <laughs> Thank you. So mine are the sun sparkling through trees. I always find when Aaron and I go on our evening walks, it's usually in the evening, so the sun is kind of setting, but it's not like sunset yet. It's just the trees are really, really sparkly, and I love, love, love how that looks. And this is a solacine message to Aaron. Stop and look at the sparkly trees. What, don't I? Do I, do I walk too fast? Yes. And everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> look at the sparkly trees as the sun is setting. Because I was staring at them a few weeks ago and thought, I wonder if this is every shade of green in the world. Because there's like the really dark parts because the sun is setting and the really, really light parts. And it's just so beautiful. People just listening wouldn't have seen me kind of roll my eyes a little bit. I don't want to offend you, but I wouldn't have offended you because I can't really roll my eyes. It's true. So it just looked like I was moving my neck around. (laughs) (laughs) My next one is stripes. I'm wearing stripes right now. I feel like I wear stripes quite a lot. Yeah, it looks like you're on a boat. Mm-hmm. Why do you like stripes? Just soothes your eyes? Maybe the opposite. Keeps them alert. <laughs> I just like stripes. They're Parisian. They're boaty. They're cool. I had for flags. you... Flags have stripes? They do, yeah. The first thing that came up for a site for Aaron was his orange backpack. Oh, no. Because when we're in the supermarket or anywhere, I can always spot him. Yeah. We were on our travels last year, and out of all the people in the continent of Europe, spot you with your orange backpack. His pumpkin backpack, Mm -hmm. making the the whole tour of the world. Yeah, and my final sight is piles of books, because I make a lot of those. Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, a lot of of piles. Yeah, it's like some... Mounds. Mm -hmm. I'm a big pile person. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about how... This book, the the five senses thing, the exercise, the way it's kind of a way of living, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it it shouldn't be. Like I'm saying, it should be more intuitive. It should be in the soul, see, more of a natural state of being. Because mm-hmm. I do think that we kind of either inadvertently or deliberately dull ourselves to a lot of things these days. Like living through the senses is kind of my ideal political ideology. Mm-hmm. I think that's called being an aesthete. So I was thinking about like, for instance, used bookstores, right? Everybody loves used bookstores. And what do we love about them? The smell of the books, the look of things. They're never very clean. So for that reason, I'm opposed to gentrification. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like structure all my political views like this. Yeah. Is it ugly? Then I'm against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this is important for the solo scene and for making any decisions of consulting the fact that like... I mean, there's a balance because I don't like when people are against windmills because of the noise pollution or whatever. Because it's like you have yeah. to, to an extent, look at the greater good. But even aesthetically, like I think you can you can acknowledge. I'm a big wind turbine fan, but it's like mm-hmm. they do sound la- loud. Yeah. But I think they look so cool that it over like mm-hmm. it overrides it. That's my opinion. It's true, and if you're, it's either going to be a windmill in your backyard or a pulp mill or exactly. a coal mine. Like yeah. it's. Obviously, you're going to take the nice, sleek, white windmill that's like, it's a little noisy, but at least... Well, I don't think it should be in people's backyard, but yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also reminded of, we should have used this for the meme of the week during the internet semester, images you can hear. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a funny kind of genre of internet picture. Mm-hmm. Usually it'd be like macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it's a picture of Waggoigi saying something. And it's funny, or pictures you can smell. It's like the pile of old crayons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so waxy. We should do an episode, I guess that would be borderline ASMR, of us just describing things. Because when you just said that about old crayons, like I actually did kind of smell it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it could be a, a short that we can make. Also, Gretchen mentioned having a lucky sense. Mm-hmm. She said because scents are so closely tied to our memories that she, she used this funny example of like Andy Warhol would deliberately 
try and exploit this almost by mm -hmm. timing certain periods of his life to certain colognes that he would wear mm -hmm. so that then in the future when he smelled that cologne it would take him straight back to the six months and she did that by like oh i had this smell that when i was in college this used to be like my party perfume or something so mm -hmm. like deliberately kind of invoking that have you ever had a lucky scent or would you like one i've never had a lucky scent but i've definitely i mean as someone who wears perfume yeah. have them for different eras of my life i see yeah i like that that's funny yeah it is kind of fun she also was mentioning how the olfactory center in our brain is right at the front where we make memories mm -hmm. and where we like process information because the nose is so central whereas all our other senses send the information further back into our brain and it takes longer to process yeah so that's why smells are so powerful do you have any smells that take you right back to something yeah for sure i mean there's like this kind of specific smoky smell and it's not like a wood it's not a um campfire but there's just like we have these family friends who i don't know what they burned in their fireplace but like it smelled slightly different and sometimes when you walk by like a steakhouse or something Ooh. it kind of smells like if you could like blast me back and i'm like yeah. in their house it's really weird for me i have two maybe i should use these for my smell but one is like the artificial turf football fields mm -hmm. on the hot days that smells a lot like my childhood and the other is much more niche. The other day I was walking around Montreal and there was just one road that smelled a lot like the way the road smelt when we went to Mexico. Yeah. Which was, yeah. It was weird because I guess it was just the temperature or the humidity matched it or something or maybe the material or the type of dust. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. It's really funny. isolated memories like that. I think they're very smell tied because like we've only been to Mexico for two weeks now or three weeks. Yeah. But like, not multiple times mm -hmm. so it's like it's one it's a discrete kind of event mm -hmm. yeah for sure i also cabbage always reminds me of my grandmother was she a cabbage patch doll no she wasn't um taste favorite taste taste self-portrait you go first this time gluten-free flour in any form because it all tastes the same like but you can have gluten-free bread gluten-free muffins it all just tastes the same yeah. so that's kind of it defines me sure yeah my other one is double milk chocolate. So any like like a Kinder Egg or there's like a Lindor double milk chocolate where it's like milk on the inside, like white. Oh, white chocolate. But it's not white chocolate. It's it's oh brown and white. Brown and white, yeah. yeah. Together, that's like my favorite. I remember when I first got my retainer. I've never really talked about my. That's unrelated. Anyway, when I first got my retainer, <laughs> I was like, "This is an orthodontics episode." <laughs> In grade like two or three. Because I was like really young when I got them, and I was so I couldn't eat anything except for Kinder Eggs. It's like the only thing I would right. eat. Yeah, and you mean you wouldn't eat anything? It was just like I had no appetite to that, and then cheese. So I just I'm a pretty simple. Yeah, I can't eat two of those things. Oh my! Like I'm allergic has... to two of them, but yeah. <laughs> they're my favorite. My mouth hurts too much. I can only eat chocolate. Yeah, you still do that to this day. Sometimes, sometimes. Last week when you were saying, "Oh, I have a cold." No, I can eat the chocolate. I think I can do that one. Um, my taste, I have gelato and then three question marks written beside it. Because I was like, I don't know if this can be a defining taste when I've only really tasted it. Like, a few times. Last year. It wasn't a few times. though. We were in Europe for three weeks and we probably had it a dozen times. <laughs> I don't even think I'm exaggerating. I think no. It was around a dozen times. It was close to every day at yeah. one point. Well, I think it was at least a couple of times, multiple times a day. But I have the question mark because I've always like, I don't know if it's just the word or the idea of it. It's very kind of stereotypical, like bougie in my head. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't, I'm not like that. Yeah. But then I discovered that I am kind of like that. But it yeah. doesn't have to be a thing. You know what I mean? I think with senses, we have some stereotypes where it's like, if there was some man who was like, oh, my favorite smell is black coffee, mm -hmm. but only black coffee. I'll never do any of the cream or anything. It's like, you have an idea of what they're like. So I think if someone was like, oh, it's strawberry gelato, like you have an idea about that, what they like, but I guess we shouldn't really. Yeah. And the other one I had was breakfasts from our campus, yeah. our residence hall mm. um, when we were in undergrad. And then I just have written down beneath this unlimited with an exclamation point. Because <laughs> <laughs> this was a little bit more about the quantity than the taste. It was more about just having everything on tap, but still the taste of like that, that really like fake tasting scrambled egg i think would take me back immediately mm. to those days and the the weirdly kind of unmixed syrupy chocolate milk yeah 
Yeah. I mean, now I feel like as I'm going through this and reflecting on my, these are all kind of modern. Like these are like my self sense portrait right now. And I feel like it's similar to you, like recent Aaron. But I feel like it'd be different if you made a childhood one. And the childhood ones might be a bit less curated. Like I'm thinking one of my smells would be like grease because like my dad and my grandfather are always working in a barn. So it's like, that's not something I would choose to have now. But I feel like in a Solacene perspective, perhaps, and what this book also really leans into is saying, these senses that like the define you don't have to be all curated and just like baby powder and soft toast. Like it can be just like, yeah, the garbage truck smells disgusting, but it's like you almost want to smell it more because it's like an experience, like it's engaging you. Yeah. And I feel like she also recommends making a sense journal, which I did for a couple weeks. And it's really cool yeah. of the things you notice when you start to kind of look forward to writing. You literally just write five things. You don't have to write like a whole paragraph about them, but it's cool of just like standout scents from the day. And maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Yeah. I like it makes that you idea more of aware. like huffing the garbage yeah. or at least not holding your nose so badly. Cause I think, yeah, that's very, very important for life. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to mention the journal. Cause one of the other books I wanted to mention today was meditations by Marcus Aurelius. That I've been reading and not so much as an endorsement of stoicism on the podcast, just cause I don't know if this is the, the episode for that, but I like how, because this episode is kind of focused, I think, on the the bringing about of a beautiful, sustainable, tactile world through the individual mm-hmm. rather than through the more structural things that we usually talk about. This one's more about how you yourself can be a solar site or at least start to perceive things as one. So something I like about the meditations book is that you really get a sense of this was a man writing this for and to himself because the meditations was a title kind of retroactively slapped on there Mm -hmm. i think what they used to call it was like to myself and it's not a great read all the way through Mm -hmm. and part of the reason is because one it's so repetitive Mm -hmm. like it's mostly the same five or six messages that he just repeats and you can almost it's almost like when kids have to write something on the chalkboard and they're just doing it over and over to try and drill it in. You can you can almost feel that that's what he was doing. And the second reason is because it's very, very specific to him on certain occasions. And he doesn't explain it because it wasn't for an audience. Mm-hmm. So he will write like, remember what Blank said. And it's like, we don't know who Blank is or what he <laughs> said. Or like, remember yeah. how he acts at the, at the court. And it's like, well, we don't know that because it was for himself. So I think, yeah, that's just a point of advice is like journaling is really really neat whether it be a sense journal or what happened in my day or a dream journal or whatever Mm -hmm. i think like that's a a useful grounding i've kind of had an on and off relationship with journaling through all of my adult life where i've always thought of it as like not something that i need to do more than once every two or three weeks Mm -hmm. but recently i like the it's almost like atlas pushing the stone up and then it rolls all the way back down i like the idea of doing it every evening or every morning and also, I remember when I was a kid, when we first moved to Canada, and I was kind of very socially isolated, so I think I was age nine, and my parents recommended, why don't you start a journal or a diary? Because I liked writing, and I had a bit of a, a skill for it. Do you want to know what I said to them? It's for girls? Yeah, I said it's for girls. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, and Frank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of dark, but that's what I said. And I think they just gaped at each other. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, but sure. Like... <laughs> I remember this vivid, saying that vividly. And That's Frank, me. ring any bells? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds so bad. But I guess they could have said Greg Heffley. They could have. From the Dive Wimby Kids. It's true. But yeah. Also, with the childish versus adult sense, I like that too. because Because there is a sense that maybe when we grow up, we feel we have to have mature tastes mm-hmm. a little bit and it has to be like it can't just be if it's cheese it can't just be the craft singles yeah. it has to be like this very brie. specific french brie from like a certain farm mm-hmm. and i do like the idea of as i said honing our taste buds and doing all this thing but also i, I like the childish kind of really simple smells mm-hmm. and tastes and feels and i think in the solar scene what I have written is adults don't grow out of 
scratch and sniff or jungle gyms or um you know how those like child oriented museums and discovery centers are always like push this touch this and mm-hmm. there's always it's more of a five sense thing yeah for sure but adult ones it's always like don't be too don't be too crazy she mm-hmm. even tells a story in the book about she was in a in a lineup in like a buffet style restaurants and was smelling a soup because mm-hmm. she was like i don't know about that soup she wasn't like leaning over it or anything she yeah. was just like smelling it and someone in the line was like oh please <laughs> like, come on, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, but why though? Yeah, let, let the girl let smell, smell it. It's not like she's doing it right up, right over the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, exactly. This is really, I didn't even make this connection, but I feel like this is kind of the message of this episode of engaging your senses is like a form of activism, a grassroots activism. Hear me out. Don't <laughs> stop rolling, well, that just sounded, moving your head I at feel me. like if that was clipped. Then people will be like, oh, look at her. No. Maybe activate. Okay, let's hear it. Hear me out. So there's like, vote with your dollar. So you buy these sustainable products and then the companies have to change and stop making unsustainable products. But that's like a consumerist perspective. And then other than that, it's like, what power do we have in the way that things are right now? But I feel like we have the power to notice the subtle things and use that to shape our activism and shape our voting and so on. So it's like you and I have an aesthetic opposition to cars. Yes. It's like we knew we hated cars before we knew what they did to the environment. Exactly. Because they're loud, they're smelly, they're cramped, they're hot. Yeah. So it's like if we use these senses in other ways, then we, you and I don't buy a car. And then we vote for people who don't like yeah. cars and well, so on. Well, that's what I was saying about the used bookstore thing. Yeah. That's what informs me to be against gentrification. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that sounds very kind of unethical or like sociopathic or whatever, but I think it's a helpful thing. No, I think it's good. And then it's like, if we could then get everybody living like this, then the people making the laws and the people making the products even are going to consider the kind of aesthetic manifestations of unsustainability and of isolation and it's like you can even just look at the town and be like this doesn't feel right like there's just like a vibe but it's more than just a vibe like there's reasons that you feel this way of like it kind of feels disconnected and disjointed yeah and then you can use that i think so, we're, we're kind of summarizing the beautiful sustainable tactile message mm-hmm. or like explaining it a bit, i guess yeah i think so which ones haven't we done we didn't do hearing yeah so for my hearing two of them are kind of silly so i'm not even gonna mention but the main one is you reading aloud to yourself. Ever since oh, I've known you. This is always so embarrassing. What? Because sometimes you come in and I'll be reading in French because I'm trying to learn French. I'm practicing. Listen to me. Okay. Our entire relationship. I even remember in university, I would just like doze off. We'd be like doing homework together. And then you would be reading your chemistry aloud to yourself. Like when you work, you read aloud and it's the most soothing thing in the world It makes me. me sound like such a child. <laughs> no, it's nice. And it's one of my favorite sounds. Sure. You're reading out loud to yourself. And it's not like you're reading yourself a story off like once upon a time. It's just you're like, hmm, I wonder what But it's not it's not thinking out I loud think it's either. Because it's um okay, let's clarify. If I'm reading a book, if I'm reading a fiction book, I don't read out loud. No. But if it's as you say, a chemistry question or something like that, or maybe I'm reading like a government form and I can't discern it, mm-hmm. I'll read it I I guess as if it's somebody reading it to me so I can kind of understand mm-hmm. it a little bit. But also yeah. there's the fact that we were in the same chemistry courses. Yeah. So I might have been reading it just to try and make you. No, I think you do were. The equation for me. I think you were, but I was dozing off. Um, my favorite sounds I have wooden wind chimes. Mm. I really like the kind of island like surf vibe of wooden wind chimes. Mm-hmm. That's obviously me to a to a T. I was specifying wooden because the tinkly ones, the metallic ones. Not only do I dislike those, they terrify me. Mm. I remember there was my my neighbor in Nova Scotia had those. And every time I would have to wake up early in the dark, especially if it was winter, to walk my dogs up until I was age 18, um, and those would be tinkling, I would just be so terrified because I'm scared of the dark and also creepy noises. Mm-hmm. So wooden wind chimes. And speaking of my dogs, my other favorite sound that I have here is my childhood dog's yawn, Sandy's yawn. Mm. You know the sound. I know the sound. Because it sounded like, I don't know, borderline a mini, tiny, cute pterodactyl and just a cat meow. Yeah. 
And because she was such a manly, like, <laughs> masculine presence. Mm. But the yawn kind of reminded you that she could be dainty. Yes, it's true. <laughs> okay, my touches yep. were my childhood pets. So along the same lines, they each have, like, a very distinct feeling. So I like all them. Yarn. I'm always touching yarn. Yeah, you do always touch yarn. knitting, yeah. crocheting, what have you. And then finally, weeding. Funny enough, despite never having a job as a gardener, I think every single summer of my life in my job, I have had to weed. When I worked at a church, I had to weed. When I worked at a boat, I had to weed. <laughs> <laughs> and then now it's not part of my job, but I obviously work at the garden volunteering. So I feel like I'm always weeding. And I feel like that sensation of like pulling yeah. a weed out of the ground is really cool. Definitely satisfying. Yeah. I had standing in water generally. But it, it kind of depends on different heights because I like standing so it's just your feet covered. If it's like clear water, I think that feels nice. I like standing on the beach where your feet kind of sink and it goes up to your ankles. But the first one I was thinking about was that one time in the Mediterranean is what I have written down. Because <laughs> we have only been to that sea one time. Mm -hmm. But it was like one of the highlights of my life because it felt like a pilgrimage. And it also we ascribed this strange, um, slightly uncharacteristic to, healing to us power. healing power that it had where afterwards we were saying like look it's my scab it's gone or whatever and we were talking about <laughs> stuff like that my skin is perfectly clear just like things that weren't the case but it was the biggest placebo you've ever yeah you've ever seen but i mean to be fair it was the sea of current yeah it did, feel, it did feel nice yeah <laughs> it felt very warm salty mm -hmm. it was good so those are our five senses there was one quote from the smell chapter that I thought was quite key which was that she said I could be surprised only if I was paying close attention mm. just which doesn't only apply to smells but to everything yeah because I think that's a way of describing how Ooh, so really many like of that. us walk through the world and kind of the disservice that it does to life where it's like if you are not really paying attention let's say you have headphones in or something like that or let's say you're even watching a movie on the treadmill then it's like if something really crazy happens in the gym like a cat jumps on the bench press and does a bunch of things you kind of be <laughs> looking at it and be like oh, wow yeah but if you were just running oh my other sense was my other touch was just the burn the burn the burn you, you feel mm, feel the, the burn. burn like mm -hmm. during exercise because i've noticed recently that if i don't feel the burn during a day i feel like i am dead mm -hmm. or rather that i haven't lived yeah. So this is kind of similar to to feeling surprised. There was one girl in my in my grade, all the way from grade six to grade twelve, like middle school and high school, who I would was one of the few people who had the Solacean eyes, mm -hmm. I'll describe them, and was just surprised by everything. So it's like if something kind of funny happened, she would fill out laugh at it. But we'd all just be like, hmm. You know how, especially how mm -hmm. teenagers, teenagers are, like, really aloof? Just yeah. like, oh, yeah, wow. Is that kind of ironic, like, wow. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you could be surprised, but, like, the first snowfall, it's going to kind of catch you by surprise. Mm -hmm. You should yeah. be surprised by it. I like that. I like that. There was another quote. She quoted Carl Jung, and he said, the creative mind plays with the object it loves. And I think this is on a similar line in that it's like, yeah, you can look at your water bottle every day. But it's like if you like love it or like not love in like a romantic sense, but love in the sense of just like this is amazing that this can exist. And like <laughs> then you kind of find little things about it. And I think I mean, that's a small example, but your apartment or your workplace or your route to work every day, like really just like you are alive and like you get to walk through this. And I feel like when you have that mindset it makes you more creative imaginative happy mindful and it's just like it makes you realize everything is interesting and everything is beautiful it's like really there's nothing in the world that's like innately ugly if you look at it on like a molecular level it's like this is gonna wow you but you yeah. have to look and you have to pay attention in order to be surprised yeah the other book that i wanted to mention today is called mindfulness in plain english that i read a couple years ago and it is a, a how and why to meditate kind of technique book. It gets into a little bit of the concept from like a Buddhist point of view, but mostly it's a, it's a very practical, like these are the tips for how to meditate. 
And I just thought it was relevant to this discussion because I think the sense thing is basically just another way to mindfulness, which is really what all of us are missing mm -hmm. and what most of us are chasing desperately, mindfulness. It reminds me a little bit of people always trying to extend their lives to live longer, to feel younger longer. That's kind of what mindfulness is. But rather than like making your life go from 90 to 100 years, it just makes you live for more of those 90 years. Mm -hmm. Like when you talked about Gretchen, like not having many new memories with her children and parents always say, wow, they're growing up so fast or like the years are going by faster and faster. I feel like in the last few years, since I've started paying attention a bit more to this, the years have gone slower and the days go yeah, slower. <laughs> and that's what I really aim to do. And it's because I'm just trying to notice more. Yeah, notice more, I guess. Yeah, like I really think it's doable to make your days feel like weeks. Yeah. And I mean that in like the best way possible because some days it's like, oh, I just want the day to be over. But it's like at the end of the, your life, you're not going to have wanted those days to be over. So it's like you really need to... I mean, you're a great role model for this, but yeah, like squeeze the most of every squeeze day. Squeeze the marrow. Yeah. As uh, Professor Keating, hmm. Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Do you want to pass me the organism of the week? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Since we're here? Uh, no. So for anyone watching on YouTube, you can see the organism of the week this week. This is called a tree onion. Well, this is the flower of the tree onion. Do you want to describe it, Aaron? Well, I when you brought it home from the garden yesterday, I called it your magic wand. Because mm -hmm. it looked like something that the good witch from the Wizard of Oz would have or something. Yeah. It's, a, what would you say, like a seven-inch green stalk with just several tiny bulbous cloves of garlic clumped on the end as if they would be like, looks like a bunch of bananas growing, but they're garlic bulbs instead. Onion. Onion, yeah. Yeah. So this is called a tree onion. So it's just like a normal onion. So there's the bulb that's underground, and then there's a long stalk. It goes like this? No, this is the flower. Oh, okay. So instead of on normal onions, this is a flower. But on this type of onion, it's a bulb of tiny onions. Onionettes. And then they're also called walking onions. So because it's so heavy, and they grow very, very tall up, so the stalk would be like four feet Whoa. and it's kind of swirly and then it would lean over and then it plants itself oh, so and they look like they're walking cropped. this is just the top okay yeah and so those aren't edible either oh well, i'm sure you could eat them but they're not like gonna taste super good because they're to be planted they're also called egyptian onions and they're a perennial plant and they're just really cool i really like them and the onions taste like normal onions but i just think it's neat how this variety is so unique within the onion family. There's a few others in the garlic family that do this, where they kind of grow these bulbs in the end and then they fall over. And I just think it's really beautiful. And it's like nature is pretty gorgeous sometimes. Yeah, last week we did the potato. This week the tree onion. Yeah. Next week, stand by for something beet related. <laughs> So, at the end of the book, she gives a couple of activities. So, I think I'll close on that. Then, if you have anything else to say, you go for it. So, for all of the senses, you can either overwhelm or deprive. So, she quit sugar for, like, six months or something. Yeah. And then, now she's, like, she's like doesn't like sugar very much. I did that for one month and then have definitely decreased my love of sugar. And it's just, like, in different ways, kind of overwhelming or depriving. So it's, like, doing, like, a sound bath. So you're really, like, immersed in sound. Or doing, like, a float bath where you're floating and all of your senses are deprived. And it's kind of cool. Um, she also said the daily visits experiment is good for all of these. I did this as well, going to a museum every day for, like, on and off for a month. And that was really cool because, really, when you go to a museum or a library, you just kind of go in and out for like one reason or another but if you really try and go and engage all of your senses it's a neat way to become more mindful and like hone that and then one more thing for seeing is color walks so like following colors that you see so it's like maybe you're gonna like take a left turn if you see something pink or like set yourself a rule like that hearing she suggested making a sound apothecary so kind of like a playlist or a set of playlists that you can play to change your mood 
a record you put on, perhaps? Um, she said to actually consider music. She said no one hates music. You just have to kind of see the root of it. She's like, maybe you just are a song person like her, who she doesn't like the whole album or the whole genre. She's like songs in isolation. Another tip is changing your phone sounds to all be pleasant. Yeah. Because like, you might just like hate your alarm in the morning. It's like, why? Yes, you have. Intentionally setting a sound you hate. Um, smelling, educate the senses. Each nostril smells differently, so like play around with that. And then increasing blood flow sharpens your smell, which I didn't realize until reading this, but it's why when I bike to work on garbage day, I yeah. feel like the garbage smells much stronger than if I was walking. Yeah, she said some like professional tasters or like perfume makers run up and down stairs before working to yeah. activate. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Tasting, make a memory journal with your family. Have a tasting party where you can kind of compare preferences. She said it's so much more fun than a dinner party because you, like, the conversation goes to like childhood. It goes to preferences. It's kind of a fun way to make deeper connections. And that ketchup has all five of the major tastes. Fun fact. Your organism should have been ketchup. Should have been. Or You're right. Whatever it's made of. Who knows? <laughs> Finally, touching. Touch is a really great way to bring yourself into the moment. So if you're ever feeling in your head, just like feel something, like stroke a blanket, stroke a pet, what have you. Punch a wall. Yeah. Um, touching human touch is just like invaluable. So like we're quite isolated. So it's like maybe making a conscious effort to like hug your friends. That's it. And then <laughs> the final one is kind of have an awareness of what textures bother you. I feel like we go through the world so much in our head that we're probably just like always irritated. Um, I meant to ask you this earlier on, but like touch is probably my foremost feel. Like out of all of my senses, like obviously sight is, but it's like I'm really bothered by touch. And it's, you can really just like cultivate your environment to be more comfortable, but we kind of ignore it. So, yeah. And also listen. To the Solacene Podcast. 